Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, a combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight breakdowns, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez. Welcome back, and thank you for listening to episode 190 of the Level Change Podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes, and I'm joined by my co-host, Victor Rodriguez. And today we'll be discussing Nate Diaz's comments regarding his treatment by the UFC, the payouts from UFC 278, the latest fight announcements, and we're going to preview UFC 279's main card. Victor, we have had the busiest news week. I mean, we've got Paulo and Kamzat. They almost threw down. Johnny Walker has gotten clean from his horrific CBD and THC addiction that was, and I quote, ruining his life. Okay. <laughs> were you were you ready for fight week to be hurtling at you like this? I, you know what's funny? It gets compounded. And even if you're not a fan of this, I mean, just the MMA connection alone, all this stuff with CM Punk possibly getting into a backstage brawl with some people, which, look, I've seen CM Punk fight. We all have. There's no way that I'm going to think that he's going to pick up one of the Jackson Twinks and toss him across the room. I disagree. That is not somebody. Somebody lying to me is what it is, man. I don't believe that story. So. Yeah, uh, that and all the fight stuff and all the fight stuff that is to come. It's been an especially juicy week. Uh, I, I, I don't um, I mean, there's plenty of action to come too. you know, we got KSW this weekend as well and, and, and a bunch of other shit. But I just I, <laughs> it's, it's just I don't think anything has felt quite as goofy as this in quite some time. Right. It's been a really, really thick, juicy steak of a week for news. So um, I'm going to go ahead and roll us into the first time. Topic, and we might not be seeing news like this very much in the future. And it's kind of sad. But what I'm talking about here is UFC 278 payouts, purse payouts. If you recall, UFC 278 took place in Salt Lake City, Utah, back on August 20th. Now, Utah is one of the last remaining states outside of New Jersey and... Um, California and there's there's a state here and there but they're dwindling at a rapid rate the ones that report payouts and Stephen Morocco was on record on Twitter saying that he had to go through quite a bit to get Utah to release these payouts so I'm of the opinion that we might not actually see Utah on this list very much longer but for now we did get the payouts I'm going to target in on a few that, that are important. Now, of course, there's no surprise. Kamaru Usman got the, the biggest purse, 500000 Bing, bang, boom. Now, one might think that Leon Edwards, being one half of the main event and the new title holder, that he would be next in line. And he did make $350,000 plus a $50,000 performance of the night bonus. Now, there was no win bonus in there, and sometimes that's the case, especially in uh, title fights. Now, here's where it gets good. The person that came in second was all the way down as the third fight from the top, and it was Jose Aldo bringing in $400,000, and I love seeing that. 
Right after him, we get Luke Rockhold making $200,000 plus a $50,000 fight of the night bonus. And then we're going to hone in on some that don't make any sense at all. Paulo Costa, for instance, only making $65,000. Yikes. This is a guy that has competed for the belt, that is sitting inside the top 10, and he's only making $65,000. Not, not exactly what you want to see, especially with a company that's bringing down a billion dollars a year or more. Now, we did have, I, I take it back, Luke Rocco wasn't second. It was Marcin or Marcin Tybura. He got 240000 But that was, that was 120 to show and 120 to win. Now, Luke Rocco got his 200 in a losing bid with no win bonus. So technically, Luke Rocco should be second. But because of the win bonus, Mar- Marcin Tybura comes in second. Now, here's where it gets kind of ugh. We are still seeing those Dana White Contender Series contracts, and they are for only 10000 We still have 12000 as the barrier for entry uh, outside of the Contender Series. So if you're coming in and you're not coming through the Contender Series or tough, you're going to come in at 12 and 12. And we see that with uh, Angelusa. We see that with uh, Auri Keeling. Now, that that bothers me or to no end because he's been in the UFC for quite some time and he's still on this contract. So what that tells me is that he had no escalator. And that kind of sucks. Most contracts, as a matter of fact, the vast majority of contracts have pay escalators built in. But apparently not... Auri Keeling, or however you say his name. I hope Ricky I'm... Lake. Ricky Lake. <laughs> so those are the things that I wanted to uh, target. Victor, what do you make of it? I, I'm i always in um, a state of confusion here because you, you'd think that people are making money based on what they bring in. You know, it's always about like, what do you, what have you done for me lately? Who is the attraction of sorts? And to think that Tabura was the guy who was going to be making uh, that kind of money. And look, Good for him. I'm not saying that he shouldn't be making. Look, everybody's underpaid. I I remain firm and consistent on that that stance. Um, mm-hmm. It's just a little weird to see him making more money than some of the other guys. That you're like, well, but is he that entertaining? Is he is he really racking up the kind of win streak that some of these other dudes have? Is he as divisionally relevant as some of the other guys have? It's kind of like all over the place in some way. Um, I don't really know what to make of that part. And we do have to also add the caveat that I would assume not only because he was a headliner, but because he was the champion, that Usman is going to be getting pay-per-view points and whatever other considerations come with being a champion and headlining an event. Um, Edwards, maybe not so much as he came in being the challenger. And of course, we uh, understand that his management is not uh, the the uh, manager du jour, uh, the, the, the toast of the town for the organization that uh, organizes these events. So that's kind of just a thing that's there. Uh I it's it's just gross, man. This is why this is why they keep lobbying politicians and doing all this to stamp out any sort of updates, any sort of any sunshine whatsoever that would allow for any degree of transparency in terms of fighter pay. And it's because of stuff like this, because they don't want you to see how bad these guys are getting ripped off. And that's just the move right there, man. It's 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 terrible. 
I mean, I'm uh, someone with the stature and and the the level of the, the the trajectory that Aldo has had. And I say this, yes, with a bias because I still think personally that he's the greatest of all time. Uh, but that's still, I mean, still, can you sit there and deny that he is an all time great and that he probably should be making? I don't know, definitely more than what he's getting now. <laughs> People tune in to watch him. I don't get it. Yeah, I feel you there. I'm still stuck on Auri Chilang only getting 12 and 12 after four fights in the UFC, and he had won the one before this one. Now, when he first came in, they had him come in at flyweight. He has since returned to bantamweight because um, his first two fights at flyweight were losses. Uh, mm. Both were decisions and they were pretty damn good fights. And then his next one he won and this last one he won, but clearly no escalator. I hate that. That really sucks. He did yeah. not, I don't believe he came in from the contender series either. He has no contender series fights listed yeah. in his record. So you can't put it to that. Otherwise you would see it come in at 10 and 10, but still 12 and 12 for a guy that just had his fourth fight in the UFC. The last two were wins. I'm not happy with that. No, no, me neither. And it's the thing. He's not coming in off the ultimate fighter. He's not coming in off contender series where we know and expect that those contracts are going to be low as hell. But like you're on your third, fourth, fifth UFC fight and you're still making entry level money like you don't have any scaling. Was he making less previously? Was he coming in making 10 and 10 like no one else does that? Right. Usually the baseline. Well, actually, no, the baseline is is. Well, for a lot of these guys, it still is 10. But Well, actually, the baseline for contender series guys and gals is 10. Right. And the baseline, if you're coming in just straight in without the benefit of tough or contender series, it's 12. But yeah. that's that's just ridiculous, especially when you're trying to expand your market in China, because he is a Chinese mixed martial artist with Mongol heritage. He goes by Mongolian murderer, you know, so I <laughs> which mean, is a great battle rapper name, by the way. It sure is. I mean, I just think that's an awesome nickname to begin with. But further, I just think that this is ugh. if you're trying to expand out there, pay these really exciting people more. Pay them all more. Yeah, it doesn't seem like that's in any way the 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 rationale here. It's not like, well, let's let's uh, here's someone who was part of a a, a a bit of an effort into into expanding even further into a very coveted market that is very very lucrative. We haven't quite figured out how to crack that nut. Let's pay this guy some chump change coming. Like, come on, man, that's just not. And I'm not saying you need to pay him more than everybody else because he's Chinese. I'm saying maybe maybe. You know, regardless of where he comes from, pay these people more. It's not that difficult what we're asking for. It's just, again, we go back to the whole, uh, uh, what is it, 17 and 83 split. It's it's gross. I don't know how anybody can still defend that in the year of Tito Puente 2022, but they do. I think my whole problem here is that the lack of the escalator. I, I'm fine with them coming in at 12, even though that's incredibly low to come in at. I love John Nash's idea of just paying them a flat rate 25. Just yes. do away with win bonuses. I'm fine with per performance bonuses, but the win bonus system sucks. And this young man is out here without an escalator, it would appear. That's awful. How do you have four really exciting fights inside the UFC? It doesn't matter that he lost the first two. He's won the last two. But beyond that, how do you how do you not have that? 
It just doesn't make sense to me. And, you know, we're, we're getting ready to turn this, this mic over to Victor because he has more about pay with our big topic this week. So Victor, I'm going to let you sing to us. Yes, indeed. The Julio Iglesias of MMA analysis has arrived, ladies and gentlemen. I know you're expecting a gynecologist, but instead you're getting me. Uh, yeah, so here's what's going on, man. You know what time it is. You know what it is right now. It is Nate Diaz fight week. Yes, indeed. One of the toughest dudes, one of the baddest reputations, a true rebel, one of the... Um, true last of his era, I guess you could say, uh, coming in here and, and, and still, still, no matter what happens, garnering a lot of attention, a lot of hype, and drawing a lot of eyeballs. As you know, he's headlining this weekend's pay-per-view, and I should also note that he should absolutely be considered the A-side here, not just because of his recognition, but because of the dedication that the fan base has for him. He's going to be taking on a major, major challenge, and we've discussed this for months. Ever since this whole thing was announced, it just got even greater. He's going to be fighting Hamza Chimaev in a battle that, well, I mean, a lot of people have rightly pointed out is something of a mismatch because, well, look at the way they stack up. Look at the way they both fight. What do they both bring to the table and what kind of outcomes usually result from their fights? So we're actually going to get into the part where he discussed earlier in the week exactly how this fight came to be or rather how conditions went from him not being uh, rather him being persona non grata with the ufc and now being in this particular situation they asked him about the possibility of re-signing and how uh, you know that was looking prior to this fight and he said nowhere near one time i said all right look if i'm going to re-sign since you guys are so adamant if they're so adamant about it and they kept coming back at me and every time i was like no they'd come back with more these guys ain't taking no for an answer. I was like, all right, you want me in? Then me and my 10 guys, we're all coming. I need a contract for all my guys. Okay, look, this is something that was reported that Fedor had attempted to do and that is speculated had done with Bellator, right? You want to sign me? Fine. But I also want you to bring in these other dudes because we're a team and we do this stuff together. Unfortunately, we're not talking about Fedor right now. We're talking about Nate. And unfortunately, that didn't really work out so well. So they weren't too happy with it and they said no. And now continuing with Nate, after I said it and the deal was getting worked on, I was like, shit, they're going to sign all my friends and I have to fight here. Fuck. And then they started coming back with this guy could do the ultimate contender and this guy could. Yeah, no, obviously, we're not going to blame him for getting the whole ultimate fighter and contender series thing wrong. Things happen. I walked out and all the motherfuckers on the ultimate fighter were sitting there on the ground like they're in school ready to listen to teacher. And I was like, what the fuck is going on out here? Dana White did a speech. People are going to think we're animals. They're sitting here thinking we're all in trouble. I'm like, Fucking kidding me? We're in a fight house, and you guys are all sitting here acting like you're in trouble. And I was like, I ain't in trouble. I'm like, I'm getting a soda in the background. Yeah, right. What the hell? Again, that rebellious spirit coming through yet once again. But he's noting something here that's actually rather interesting. That same sort of rebellious nature thing is what has put him at odds with the UFC. And while he has gotten much more of a fairer shake than his brother, largely because, as Dana White has said himself, the guy plays by the rules. He does the right things. He kind of, you know, he didn't raise much of a ruckus back in the past. But once his star power really, really got up there, he decided he was going to make some changes. And he was absolutely right to do so. But he didn't really want to do this whole deal. He didn't want to take this fight. And he doesn't really want to continue being in the UFC. He's only doing this as a matter of what should we call this? A, a form of obligation, right? He's even said in the media scrum, I didn't want to take this fight. But if this is what you guys want, you know what? If he thinks he's going to beat me, fine. Come on over and beat me. Whatever. It's really sad to see somebody go on this particular type of rant 
And for us to sit here and just think this is business as normal, right? This is business as usual. Like it's not even a, a thing that anyone should look at twice and think that maybe there's some questions that need to be asked or addressed. Furthermore, he goes on to this whole deal when he uh, had another interview. He said he wanted to fight Vicente Luque, Dustin Poirier, Tony Ferguson, Michael Chandler. These were names that he was asking for. And the UFC flatly denied any opportunity whatsoever for him to fight any of those guys. It's a shame. <laughs> it's really a shame. I guess they probably figured that it wasn't uh, as divisionally relevant or that maybe uh, some sort of upset would be not favorable for them. And now he's fighting Chimaev, a guy who is pretty much the kind of poison against the Diaz brothers style, a guy who wrestles, a guy who throws a lot of volume from top position and a guy who's not easy to take down himself, a guy who's not easy to outbox. I don't know, man. I don't like it. It's really <laughs> I, I, we've expressed this as well. Right. We've talked about this whole deal. More of the highlights of the week was him talking about possibly fighting Conor McGregor for a third time in which he says that, yeah, maybe even though he'd be outside of his UFC contract after this fight, he might have that fight happen down the line. It just hasn't worked out in terms of timelines with the way things have gone for both men. But I'll be honest with you, man. If he does leave the UFC, there's no way he's fighting Conor McGregor in the UFC. They're not going to sign him in for a one-off. They're going to try to tie him down yet again. And the chances of that happening are deader than Queen Elizabeth. So I'm going to ask you, Sefi, what do we make of all of these things being aired out during fight week as he's on his way out? Because this kind of reminds me a little bit of the whole Luke Rockhold situation not long ago. He's saying all these things now. But unlike Rockhold, he has been saying and complaining about some of these things for quite some time. Does he actually, you know, lose anything at this point? Or, I mean, should he continue with his particular tirades? Because at the end, I mean, what's going to happen? Exactly. I like what he's saying. I think one of the most interesting things that came from this is when he said that Dana and the UFC were willing to bend over backwards to accommodate him bringing his entire team over. And they're over here. Well, we could put this guy on the contender series and we could put this guy on tough and we could do this and this and this. And I was floored by that. That's a lot of pull. That's a whole lot of pull. Mm -hmm. So that, that stuck out to me. And another little nugget that stuck out to me was Nate talking about a time back in 2014 or 2015 when him and Dana almost got into a fight because <laughs> Dana had been drinking and Nate had been drinking, but he said Dana got real wild and was like, what's up motherfucker and blah, blah, blah. And was running his mouth. And Nate said they were about to scrap. And when they interviewed Dana, Dana sort of admitted that there had been a lot of drinking going on and shit happened, but I, I don't think fisticuffs were ever thrown. But I think that's also a very interesting tidbit, because remember, didn't Nate on one of those looking for a fight, didn't he slap the shit out of Dana? Mm, yeah, he did. He did that. I don't know yeah. if that was like a real slap. It was like but a stage was, thing that they did, right? It was still, it was still, even if it was staged, that looked like Nate put a little extra something behind it. And I mm. love that. I think that's hilarious. No, I, I hope he did. I think that Nate is... An entity all to himself because nobody has been this vocal for this long in complete odds with the UFC. I mean, he has been bemoaning his plight for a long, long time. And the UFC just wants to keep him tied down because they are willing to take whatever he's got. They're willing to take it because 
he moves the needle. And what's so funny is that just five, six years ago, Dana White was on record saying that Nate Diaz did not move the needle. What the hell? Are you kidding? Look at the, the Iron Man Kung Fu grip you guys have on this guy. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, that whole, I'm not, yeah, he doesn't move the needle. Like, I'm sorry, I saw him headline against Jim Miller, and I know for a fact that your quarter hour ratings went up stratospherically when that happened. I mean, don't don't sit here and lie to me when you're putting this guy on TV and then you're bragging about the Nielsen ratings. You don't get to do that. You don't get to have it both ways. Yeah, and that's that right there in a nutshell. But most importantly here, I think, is that he asked for so many fights that would have been amazing. I mean, we've got Tony Ferguson on this card. Why couldn't we get Tony versus Nate? It would not be, as Zane Simon and Connor put it, a mercy killing. <laughs> because, holy crap, you know, I the odds of Nate actually beating Kamza are just not good. I can't see it happening in any way, shape, or form. Leon Edwards definitely had a chance. He had a shot. He had more than a puncher's chance or anything like that. I don't even think Nate has that in this fight. I'll be rooting for him for sure, but I don't, I don't see it happening. And that's what's sad here because I feel like the UFC saddled him with this particular fight after saying no to Tony Ferguson, Vicente Luque, Dustin Poirier, Michael Chandler. All of these guys have asked for fights with him. He's asked for fights with them. I think it's absolutely terrible that this is the fight they're going to give him on his way out because they want to dress him down, you know, and they're, they're going to make sure that when he leaves and goes out there and starts shopping around for whatever he wants to do, that he's going to do it coming off another loss. That's really sad. Yeah. And it's again, it's also making the whole thing about, you know, again, another another trophy for Chemayev on his way up. And even Chemayev said he didn't have to take this fight. Is it divisionally as relevant as it could be? Is this really what they needed? Where does he stand? Where is Nate Diaz in the pecking order? welterweight? I want to know. Now, I don't mean tell me what ranking he's at. I'm not looking at the number. I'm just saying situationally. Where is he? In terms of I, I, no, they, no one has an answer for that because we know what the answer is. It's not about that. Yeah. For sure. Now we are going to move on here because we have some fight announcements and they are pretty good. Well, one is really good and one is pretty good. So we're going to see, hopefully, Darren Till return to action December 10th at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. And you will not even believe who they have him matched up with. Driku Duplessis. You know, a lot of people are out there poo-pooing on this, but I actually kind of like it. Till's been struggling lately, and Driku Duplessis might be just the guy to help him get back into the mix. Or Driku Duplessis is going to basically make sure that he doesn't sniff another title shot. Either way, I'm happy with it. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, Driku Duplessis is a pretty exciting fighter. I like this. Um... Yeah, I definitely like this. What do you think of this win? 
<laughs> I just like really, really want to make sure that I stop myself <laughs> from making doing the whole South African accent. I'm sorry, it's hilarious in any context. I can't visit South Africa not for any legal reason because I know that I'm going to get shot for laughing at people having everyday conversations. That shit is funny to me. I like it. I think it's fine. It's a good match because look, you know. Okay, so Duplessis has been. Um, not only did he do uh, double duty in EFC as champion at uh, both welterweight and middleweight, but he went over to KSW. He had a bunch of bangers over there, and including including some sensational fights against uh, Roberto Solich, aka RoboCop, who also probably should be at the UFC at this point, uh, or Bellator or Ryzen. I mean, the guy's pure dynamite, but that's another matter entirely. But now Duplass has made it to the UFC dynamite debut he's looking great he's looking fresh he's doing everything right and he's going to be going in there against darren till who's had a pretty bit a pretty shaky um last few years you know the guy i mean and maybe that's an understatement because he was projected to have so so much success when he came in but that's what happens when you come in man you know you're not exactly facing the um elite right away and you're also a developing talent you're also someone who's still working on sharpening a couple of things and going to get complicated and uh, you know it, it's a bit of a rough one but they both stylistically this is a great one and i i can see till taking it man i mean you know shooting a couple of good uh punches down the middle um it's going to be hard to break uh Duplessis with the leg kicks but he can certainly try body shots are also going to be a bit of a wash and he's not going to wrestle or as Drake still has his uh striking as well he is he packs a lot of power especially that right hook um he can do it, man. He can do a lot of things here, and I really want to see it. I don't know that Drakus is ready for like the clinch work and, and the sort of slow grind pressing that's going to happen against the cage at some point, which I believe is inevitable because Till is pretty good at bullying guys to get to that point. Um, but also, you look at the fact that this is middleweight and that Till is uh, hopefully not going to be as drained. I'm curious to see how this goes. I want to know how this works out, and I want to see how exactly both of them deal with the series of problems that the, that each other presents. Um, I don't think either one I'm looking right now, neither one of these guys is ranked still, or at least not yet. So, eh, you know, it's, it it might be something that might get one of them into uh, at least the top 15, maybe Uh, that's going to be something else that will be worth observing, but I like it. It's fine. From an action standpoint, pretty good. Other fights on this UFC 282 card. Robbie Lawler versus Santiago Ponzinibbio, Billy Quarantillo versus Alexander Hernandez, Edmund Shabazian is coming back and he'll be facing Dolce Lungiambula, and of course this fight right here. Now it should be noted that Darren Till is just four and one in his last five. In his last fight, he was submitted by Derek Brunson, and that's been a little over a year ago. It should also be noted that back in July, Darren Till had a little brush with the law, I believe. Uh-huh. If I'm not mistaken, he had a driving, drunk driving or DUI, something along those lines. But yeah. uh, he really should be buckling down and trying to keep his nose clean and, and basically getting his body together so that he can get back in the octagon because it's been over a year and he's not getting any younger and boy those losses are certainly accumulating when when guys are out there getting arrested especially for drunk driving and things like that makes me think maybe they're not serious well it, it makes me think that maybe there's a bunch of other personal stuff that they 
should be prioritizing over fighting because, I mean, the last time he got arrested was, what, two, three years ago? And that was for, I believe, stealing, stealing a, cab. a taxi. <laughs> so he wants to go out there and play crazy taxi. Like, you know, dude, you're in Europe, you know? You guys have robust uh, mass transit infrastructure. You don't need to be stealing cars. But no, he decided he wanted to be out here playing Mafia 3 in real life. It don't work that way. So, you know, I, I don't... Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I just don't really feel that this is the sort of thing that ought to be happening this close to him having that arrest, um, by which I mean, like, is this really what he ought to be doing, knowing that he's got these problems? Now he's got a fight camp on top of that and all the pressure of fighting. Uh, mm. Yeah, it, it ain't a good look, you know, it's just one of those deals where you wonder how detrimental that all that is going to be or, you know, if this is going to influence his fight at all. Indeed. And it likely will. For sure. I would think I would think it would, but you know. Anyways, we're gonna get to the beefiest part of this segment, and that is finally Dustin Poirier has a fight, and it's a good one. He is set to fight Michael Chandler at UFC 281, Madison Square Garden. These sources have told Bokomoto at Brett Bokomoto, and he has since confirmed it. So we are 100% getting that. And I cannot wait. Oh, that's so exciting. What a great fight. What a great fight. That's going to be November the 12th. I love this fight. It is a dangerous fight for both men because they can crack. They are both quite durable. My goodness. They could take a licking and keep on ticking. But I would say that Dustin Poirier is a bit more durable. I would take Dustin here, but I would take Dustin if he were fighting Godzilla because he's <laughs> one of my all-time faves. So how how are you looking at this? You know what? Uh I I gotta agree with you, man. I'm feeling that I'm feeling that Dom the uh Dustin has the uh not just the boxing, but the patience really. And I think that um Chandler has gotten a lot less flustered lately. You know, he, he takes a lot of damage in order to deliver a lot of damage. There's a lot of risk versus reward with him. Um, but then he does still have that explosiveness. He might just catch Dustin, you know. He might just be able – look at how he did with Dan Hooker, right? I mean, I didn't really expect him to uh, get that – nail that shot with him. I figured that he'd deal with the range and the height differential uh, a little less uh, – a little, a, little a little more poorly, let's say. I didn't think he'd handle that so well. But then he went out and he did that. And I mean, I figure if he can do that against Hooker, then I'm pretty sure Dustin's keeping notes and saying like, all right, there's a possibility that maybe, just maybe, this cat might uh, break through and, and do something here, you know, like that to me. So you you got to break down some tape and study what this guy does well and what he doesn't. And Chandler does a lot of things well. Unfortunately, the big knock on him is largely his defense. You know, the guy just does not um, – you know, he's 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 very much he's he loves rolling dice a lot. And I'm not saying he's not good defensively, but it does take certain risks that end up with him taking a lot more damage than he ought to in some situations, despite him knowing better, because you see him in other fights where he does do better. So I don't know. I'm I, This could um, this could end up with him probably doing a lot more groundwork. Um Maybe, maybe some more work inside on the clinch, uh, trying to negate the boxing advantage that Dustin might have. But, you know, he's also very confident in his hands. So I'm pretty sure that Chandler thinks he can hang with Dustin standing. I'm I'm fairly certain that maybe, just maybe, we might see a couple of wrinkles of something different here, contrary, contrary to what we've seen in other fights. But I'm still going to go with Dustin. 
Oh yeah. That's, that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> All right. So what we're going to do right now is we are going to move into the section where we give our UFC 279 main card preview. But before we do, I want to go back and take a look at our picks from last week. And we all came in tied at three and two. Mookie picked Joaquin Buckley, which did not pan out. He picked Charles Jourdain, which we all did, and that didn't pan out. But he did pick uh, Nazareth Hakparast. He picked Robert Whitaker, and he picked Cyril Gunn. Now, I picked Imovov. That worked out well, and you did as well. Jourdain didn't work out. You picked Hakparas, whereas I picked Macdessi, so you and Mookie were correct there. We all picked Whitaker, and where you went wrong was Tuivasa, but man, that was so good. So, so good. Mm -hmm. so, Came close. That was actually, you know, the, the, I'm sure a lot of people were sweating. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. But I would have loved it if he had done it. Yeah, I mean, it would have been it would have been a sensational thing. But I mean, we got an extraordinary fight regardless. Yes, we did. And nobody lost a single speck of shine from that. They they both just I feel like they grew immensely from that. So I loved it. Now, our standings here. They are. Mookie is still in the lead. Ninety nine, sixty and three. I am one behind Mookie at ninety eight, sixty one and three. And Victor you you're hanging in there 89 69 and 3 so we're going to get into UFC 279 Oof. we're only picking the main card and i do have mookie's picks so let me pull those up right quick and here we go all right so victor our first fight on the on the uh the main card is Johnny Walker versus Ewan Kutsalava. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I, who do I trust less? That's the name of the game yet again. You know why? Because we're talking about light heavyweight. God damn it. This division. I mean, how unreliable are these guys? Hmm. You know, it, it's it's a, it's so it's such a difficult thing because. Walker does have the dynamic and, uh, you know, super explosive attacks that come out of nowhere sometimes, although he has brained it in a lot. He's a lot more cautious, but he is still training with uh, SBG Ireland. Is that correct? Yes, he is. I do not trust him based <laughs> off that. And then you have the fact that he can be cracked. We saw it with Corey Anderson. You pressure him enough, you put him on his back foot when he's getting wily, and you're going to be able to put him away. Kutalaba can do that, but I don't know. I mean, you don't have to exclusively replicate the Corey Anderson formula for you to be able to succeed against Walker. But it's a good idea, especially if you're a guy who is largely known for big punches like Kutlava. OK, so, OK, fine. Well, we, we have that going for us. Then you look at the other side of it. It's like, OK, well, what where does where does the, everything fall apart for Kutlava? Because he's probably a head guy. I mean, I think Zane was a guy who came up with the idea like there are certain dudes. There's this archetype of fighter that is. They're not dumb, okay, but their body gets ahead of what their mind wants to do. These are the guys that will hurt somebody and then they'll immediately pounce on them and they get hit with a counter and they get put to sleep. That kind of situation. And I feel like with Lava is also very, very untrustworthy for that same reason. I really don't like the 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 fact that I got to pick somebody, but I got to pick somebody. And I guess I'm going to go with Johnny Walker by virtue of being the more patient dude, although I don't think that he is – quite as durable as Kutalaba, and I don't think that he is um, 
you know, I, 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 he's, he's got to really mind his P's and Q's in order for this to happen. I'm taking Kutalaba. I think that your reasoning of who do you trust more, that's basically what you have to do in this fight because both guys are gigs, guys I can't trust. Now, who I distrust the least. Exactly. <laughs> the framing is important there, yeah. So I, I feel like Kutalaba is slightly more trust, trustable here in this situation. Johnny Walker's chin is a real problem, and, and Kutalaba hits like a truck. Now, I know Johnny hits hard too, but I think um, Iwan is a little bit more durable, and I think he could take a punch better. And yeah. and based on that, that's that's what I'm making my pick on. Now, Mookie has also decided to take Kutalaba, so Mookie and I are taking Kutalaba, and Victor is taking Johnny Walker. Uh, can we just know for the record, Your Honor, I'm not happy about it. <laughs> I just want to make sure that it's there. I want to make sure everybody knows. All right, next up, we have a fiery matchup here between Macy Chazon and Irina Aldana. I love this fight. Um, this is going to come down to Aldana striking versus Chazon's wrestling and grappling. I, I think I want to take Chazon here, but man, yeah, I'm going to take Chazon. Yes, I am. Victor? I want to pick Macy too, but I'm also a little wary of where exactly uh, her ability is going to be in terms of being able to hang with Aldana's boxing. You know, we've seen that there's levels, and yeah, sure, like you know, we saw we saw Irena get outdone by uh, Holly Holm, but that's a different situation, right? I don't know that Macy has the kind of solutions long term to be able to um, deal with some of the problems that that he didn't presents. And I just think based off of that and the wrestling defense and everything else, I kind of feel like that's going to be what gives Atlanta more of a, uh, more of a, a couple of advantages here. I just don't see where uh, Macy would be able to play catch up unless she's able to nail some takedowns and really start working from there. Her punishment from top position is great. Uh, her ability to pass and transition from one spot to the next is great, but um Jeez, dude, it's not just grappling. You know, this is really going to be a tougher, um, a tougher thing for us to pick. And and I just, you know, I, I, I just, oh Christ, I, I have to go with Alana. I'm like trying to figure out, like, okay, what does Macy do? Like, I really hope that her coaches have a great game plan. They can and they can figure something out here with this, but. I just look at, I think back to how Aldana dealt with, you know, for example, Bitch Cohea back in 2019, the way she defeated Vanessa Mello, and then the way she knocked out Ketlin Vieira. Um, that is cause for concern. If she can do that and she's just getting better, I mean, dude, that's that's rough. And I mean, yeah, she hasn't fought in a year or so, but then again, you know, Macy has been, uh, she's been on the shelf for a little bit. It was only since May. Actually, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that. I take that part back, but um, I don't even think that Russ is going to be that much of a factor. All right. Mookie is taking Irina Aldana. So we are going to move right along into the next fight. It is Kevin Holland taking on Daniel Rodriguez. I really like this fight. This is a great mm -hmm. fight. Uh, Mookie is going to take Kevin Holland. Victor, how are you going? I want to pick Kevin Holland as well. 
And the problem with that is I really, really like Daniel. And yes, I do have a very personal bias because I've, you know, it's, it's, it is in to a degree, it is favoritism, but Daniel does, Holland loves to box. He loves to go in there and trade and Daniel can give it to him and he can take it. Uh, I would expect that he would be an underdog. I would expect that he is a, an underdog that has a good chance of uh, upsetting the apple cart on this one. But I guess I kind of got to go with the more somewhat reliable hand in terms of like, you know, the guy who's fought more higher level dudes. Although Holland, I mean, this is fight. This fight is taking place at welterweight. Mm. You know what? No, I'm going to go with Daniel. Never mind. Uh, forget all that. Daniel, I'm going to go with him. That's it. <laughs> I'm going with Kevin Holland. Uh, there's no way I'm picking Daniel Rodriguez in this. He's good, but his wins don't stack up to Kevin Holland's and especially the way he's had to struggle. So, and, and, and he's a big boy to be making that, that uh, cut to one. Yeah, that's true. Very, very big. Kevin Holland is absolutely suited for this. I don't even know what he was doing at middleweight for so long, but he's absolutely suited for this. And he is much slicker. His, his grappling is getting better. I don't know. I just feel like Kevin Holland's going to, have this one fairly easily. I'm not saying it's going to be a, a complete wash, but I just feel like he's a little slicker and we'll be able to make the most of any situation here because he's really good at thinking on his feet. So I'm, I'm going to take Kevin Holland and Mookie is also taking Kevin Holland. Now we move on to the co-main event. I'm really, really as much as I like Lee Jing Leong, I hate this matchup. I really do. He's fighting Tony Ferguson, and I feel like Tony Ferguson making the step up to welterweight, where at lightweight, he mostly enjoyed the advantages of being the bigger guy. He wasn't always the bigger guy, but he's perfect for lightweight. He gets up here at welterweight, and then you're going to run into Li Jing Liang first, and he's a pretty big welterweight. Eek. And then he hits like a Mack truck and Tony's chin has been coming mm-hmm. apart at the seams for a few years now. <laughs> I don't like this. I don't like this at all. But I, I have to pick it. And of course, I'm going to take Lang because I love him. But I, I hate to see Tony have this fight. This is not a good fight. And also, for the record, Mookie is also taking Lang. I mean, that's the thing, right? Jangleleg hits like a truck and Tony's jaw has a history of taking automotive damage. Um, yeah, I, maybe the lack of a cut to lightweight plus his funky wrestling plus his unorthodox style and his ability to be a little less predictable than the average cat might present some problems for Lee. Um I certainly don't think that's really very uh, likely for him to succeed on that front. So I'm, I, God, I, you know, I want to see Tony do well, win or lose. I want to see him acquit himself well, but I just, again, who do you trust the least? And I don't, I can't trust Tony, man. This guy's been going through so much. Like, should he even be fighting? You know, after the whole mental break he had a while back, that shit still doesn't sit right with me. And sure, maybe he got past it. Maybe he got counseling, maybe he got help. I don't, I can't shake it. When you get to that level, you get to that point where somebody got to call the cops on you because you're losing your mind and you're still going in there taking more brain damage against a super heavy hitter. Bro, 
Nah, man, look at that fight with with uh, Muslim Salikov, king of kung fu, and the Chinese dude said, well, "I'll show you what real kung fu is." Blow, slept him. You think he can't put one of those on Tony? Like, come on, man. I just this is making me sad all over again. Shit. Whatever. I'm going with Jangleig. Well, now it's time for me to make you really sad. I'm definitely going to open the main event with the odds. And it still is blowing me away that here on the UFC official site, they have the odds listed on the site. The promoter has the odds listed on their site. I will never get past that. Nothing is real. There's no rules. There's no nothing anymore. Zero, nada. I mean, Mm -hmm. what a bad look. But anyways, Hamza Chemaev taking on Nate Diaz, and here are the odds. Hamza is at negative 1,050. Nate Diaz is at plus 700. Yowza! Wow! And you know what? I I agree with the odds, unfortunately. They are incredibly wide, but they are accurate. There is no way that you, as an odds maker, could possibly make those any closer. Because Hamza has every bit of Nate Diaz's kryptonite. It's going to be a slaughter. But if Nate Diaz pulls it off, oh my god. Oh my god. I will name my next cat after him. I don't know how else I could celebrate <laughs> other than going and adopting a cat and naming it Nate Diaz. And I will do it. Victor. Yeah, I I I will tell you this. Chimaev has every reason to win this fight. There everything is laid out before him. Everything is is set through his hard work and his efforts in the past, his ability to do what he does so well and to capitalize on what Nate Diaz doesn't do well. As we said before, he is anathema to this whole deal. I am going to pick Nate Diaz out of pure unbridled fucking spite because you know what, man, you know what? Not only would it be funny after all the stuff Jemai was talking about, he's going to beat Usman. He's going to do all this like, okay, great. So the UFC's plans got spoiled, right? Because Leon got the belt, which let's face it. They weren't very big on Leon, but now they got another British champion and he did it in Hollywood style. But to have this happen, to have Nate, do this, and I feel like I would feel bad, but you might have for 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 this whole deal if you were to lose in 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 some way because yeah you are kind of messing with the guy's career and his numbers. But let's be real, is he really going to lose that much of his standing? Is it something that he can't bounce back from? You know what I'm saying? Like if Nate does pull this off, the consequences of this would they be really that terrible for him in the in the grand scheme of things? No, the company can take it on the chin, and this is kind of like this is a very pro wrestling thing. This is like when The Rock was coming up in WWE, right? They were putting him in front of the audiences. Roman Reigns is cousin, same thing, putting him out there. This is the guy. This is who we want you to cheer for. And the audience was like, "Ew, no, <laughs> we don't want that guy." But this is what ends up happening. Now you put him in there against somebody who's actually popular. They're just gonna hate him even more, and it's just resentment building and building and building, and you. You can see the tides, man. You don't see too many people out there on social media, you know, saying like, man, I can't wait for Chimaev to go out there and do his thing. Not even not even because like there's one thing to have a Nate Diaz hater. And there's another thing to be like, oh, man, I really know. I really, really love Chimaev. He's just very popular. No, he doesn't have that same uh, energy behind him. That, that that momentum is not there. It does not exist. But but 
if this does happen, man, listen, it would be the year of the thumb in the eye. The UFC is going to make money regardless. But to see that happen, to have some form of – now I don't even want to call it justice. But, you know, there's just something about when people do terrible things and they get away with it over and over and over and over and over, they can take a minor pinch to the arm every once in a while. And that's what I would like to see. So you know what? I'm right with Nate Diaz. Fuck with me. <laughs> well, Mookie is taking Hamza Chimaev. Oh, <laughs> come on. Of course he is. This is exactly what happens, man. You have an out here, you picking a fight. You come out here, pick against me, man. You 12 years old working for fight fighting. Now you don't even write about fighting no more. You, you need to go to that daycare, what you need to do with your Mookie Alexander ass. That's the move right there. That's watch. You know what? I'm ooh, I'm telling. I'm gonna tell Mookie. I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell Nate that Mookie been talking shit. I'm gonna tell Mookie, oh, he's coming for you. <laughs> Oregon, Oregon is just one highway ride ahead, dude. Nate will get on his unicycle and ride up the whole way. Beat his ass. That's what I want to see. Oh man. So to recap, Victor is taking Johnny Walker, and Mookie and I are taking Iwan Kutalaba. Mookie and Victor are taking Irina Aldana, and I am taking Macy Chazon. Mookie and I are taking Kevin Holland. Victor is taking Daniel Rodriguez. We are all taking Li Jing Liang. And Mookie and I are taking Hamza Shemaev. And Victor is going bold. He's going big, or he's going home with Nate Diaz. So, on that note, we're going to wrap the show. Please do me a favor. Follow Victor on Twitter at Vic M. Rodriguez. Follow Mookie on Twitter at Mookie Alexander. Myself at Crooklyn MMA. The show at Level Change Pod. We are also available on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash Level Change Podcast. Victor and I both still work for Bloody Elbow, so you can check our work out there. And Mookie is the managing editor over at SB Nation's field goal site. So please check out his work there. Listen to the pre-recorded outro where you will find how to listen to this show and all the other great Bloody Elbow Presents shows. So until next time, please stay safe. Thank you for listening to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, The Level Change Podcast, The MMA Vivisection, the 6th Round Post-Fight Show, 6th Round Retro, The MMA Depressed Us, Brooklyn's Corner, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, Show Money, Guest Podcasts, and Radio-Style Play-By-Play for every UFC pay-per-view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bloody Elbow Blog, and on BloodyElbow.com. <laughs>